Hello, friends. It's time for Let's Talk About Jesus, a Bible study that I believe is going to bless you today because it is filled with God's Word, and God's Word is eternal. It is not outdated. It is not antiquated. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's as fresh and new as the sunrise every single day. Praise God. God is the Lord God of Israel, and He hath declared of Himself, I change not. And Jesus Christ is declared to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we believe that the eternal Word of God is as relevant in the 21st century as it was in the, in, in the, the, not only the first century of the church, but in the Old Covenant as well. God's Word is eternal today. And we believe that it's going to touch you, and I know it's going to touch me. I've never shared a Bible study, preached a sermon, that God's Word didn't enlighten and enliven me. Praise God. Well, we're glad you joined us today for this Bible study. We pray that you will follow them sequentially. If you'd like to come to our website, type in the Holy Church of God. The Holy Church of God. We're an affiliate of Independent Assemblies of God International uh, in good standing since 1974. Praise God. We just celebrated 44 years of being the senior pastor uh, here in Tampa, Florida, where this broadcast originates. Wherever it's finding you, we have this promise from God. My word will not return unto me void, according to this statement from the prophet in the Old Testament and through the prophet. But it will accomplish that that I desire and prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Well, he's sending it to you today. If you're hearing this broadcast, I don't believe in accidents and happenstance. I believe we have a divine appointment to spend some time together in the Word of God. Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bible, Bibles, open them once again to Psalm 107, Psalm 107, and we've been talking about uh, trusting God in troubled times. One thing is for sure, absolutely sure, trouble will come to you and me. We live in a faulty body, we live in a fallen world, and we have a very fearsome I'm not saying that to bring fear, but to cause us to perk up our ears when we hear and understand how to live under these conditions and live victoriously in spite of it all. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you have your Bibles open to Psalm 107, verses 23 through 32, we're going to be talking about another group of people. We've been talking about groups of people in particular particular circumstances, particular trouble. And uh, this trouble is caused because of our own self-sufficiency and self-reliance. Listen to what it says right here. It says in verse 23, they go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raises the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to heaven and go down again into the depths. 
Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. They cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then they are glad, because they be quiet, so he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of the elders. So these people that are categorized right here in Psalm 107 are those who are involved in careers, in work, or anything in the normal course of life. And they're just going on uh, smoothly. Everything is working out, and a tragedy hits. A trial comes upon them that they cannot handle. They think they are in control of their lives. They think their businesses are firmly established and suddenly snap. There it goes. It's gone. What they trusted in and what they thought was set up for them, what they thought was a sure thing, no longer is. And they come to our theme in verse 27. They come to their wit's end. There's nothing more that they can do. There are four categories of people who hurt the frantic and restless we've been talking about, looking for some security. Those who are chained and bound in slavery to some type of sin or habit, and those who are discouraged and feel hopeless and are ready to quit, and those who think everything is going well, and then suddenly are hit with a tragedy or a storm or some unexpected occurrence that drives us to our knees. You know, the Bible said that in Luke 4.18, Jesus is not only anointed to heal the brokenhearted, set the captive free, but he's healed, he's anointed to open the eyes of the blind. And the sin of Laodicea in Revelation was self-sufficiency. They thought they didn't need God. And we'll read that in context in a moment. But they said literally, we are rich and increased with goods, and we have need of nothing. And Jesus told them to anoint their eyes with eye salve that they may see. You see, someone said one time, man plans and God laughs because he knows living in faulty bodies in a fallen world. In a moment, everything can change in a heartbeat or the lack of a heartbeat or an irregular heartbeat, everything can change. That's why we're taught in the New Testament, go to now, you that say we will go into this city and start this business and build this and build that. You should rather say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or we will do that. For you do not know what another day is going to bring. Here's the good news. God knows what is on your horizon and mine. He knows the future. The Bible said of him, he has seen the end from 
the beginning, and there's nothing hid from the eyes of him of whom we have to do. (laughs) And then the Bible goes on to teach. He said, I will guide thee with mine eye, with that kind of insight and understanding of us and of our circumstances and of every day of our future. We can trust in him, not in our own ingenuity and our own self-sufficiency, but in the God who says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and thou shalt glorify me. You see, the promise of trouble is a very real personal promise to Christians and believers in the New Testament. In John's Gospel, Jesus taught it very, very clearly. In this world, this fallen world, you shall have tribulation. The Greek word is thelpsis, and it means anguish and pressure. But he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Everything we need to overcome, God has put in Jesus, and he's put Jesus in us. Hallelujah. Christ in you and me, my dear friend, is the hope of glory, and he is also the source of all of our victory. That's why the Apostle Paul saw the danger of self-sufficiency when he cried out to the Lord because of a buffeting spirit, an emissary from the devil that had come to buffet him. An emissary simply means a special agent. Uh, The devil so feared Paul's anointing and ministry and appointing from God, amen, that, that he put a special agent to do nothing else but try to hurt and harm and hinder Paul. But the Apostle Paul saw this when he prayed three times to have this thorn in the flesh removed, and there was no answer from God. Finally, when the answer came, when Paul was still in the presence of the Lord, he began to get an insight and an understanding. And he said, lest I be lifted up above measure, for the many revelations that I have received. You see, if you, we become lifted up because of God's anointing and God's revelations, pride is pride no matter what produces it. And we can fall into, through that pride, a self-sufficiency. We could say, I am so anointed, so appointed, so successful in my ministry, I have need of nothing when in fact we are nothing without Jesus, without his grace and his mercy and his undergirding support, every one of us would fall. We, we, are, we are branches in a vine, and if you take the branch from the vine, that's why Jesus said in John 15, abide in me, abide in me, remain constant in our faith and trust in Him, no matter how mightily we may be used of God, blessed of God, we're to never become self-sufficient, but always dependent upon the Lord. That's why Paul said, not that we are sufficient as of anything of ourself, but our sufficiency is of the Lord. And when he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me, he's literally saying, we are all sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. 
But he's saying at the same moment, we are not sufficient as to anything of ourselves. He went so far as to say, in my flesh, that part of me, there dwelleth no good thing. Oh, friend of mine today, it is a very, very subtle sin, the sin of self-sufficiency. We don't see it glaringly as we may look at other sins, but it is a sin nonetheless, and it is a sin that threatened to defeat and destroy the church, a thriving church materially in Laodicea. And I want to I want to talk about that for just a little while before we go any further in our study today. Let's let's put this in context. Revelation chapter three and verse fourteen. The seventh of the seven churches of Asia, the church of Laodicea. It begins in verse fourteen. It says, "And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write." Now, this word angel here uh, doesn't necessarily mean just a heavenly angel that is sent to to help the the church in some way or minister to the church in some way. The word angel literally is the word messenger, and it can com- apply certainly to a celestial being, but it also applies very directly to the leader of that church. Because the leader needs to be able to see the need in that congregation and correct whatever is wrong in himself first and then to lead everyone in that church, that congregation, to repent if it's necessary and begin to move in the direction that God is telling them to move in and bring that message of repentance because that's what this is going to end up. It's going to be saying there's an answer for your dilemma. There's an answer for your deception. There's an answer for your problem. And it begins with repentance. Praise God. But it does, and it ends with restoration. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so to the messenger of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. King James says, uh, I will spew you out. And that means to, <laughs> to throw up, literally. And here in the New King James, he said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, here's the reason. And if you're on that end, just say it with me. Self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. Instead of depending on God, looking to God, trusting in God, the blessing of the Lord can make rich materially as well as spiritually. But if we are bankrupt spiritually and we don't understand the sin of self-sufficiency, we're, we're, we, we're apt to fall into it. There's something in our flesh that wants to take credit for success as we define success. And we don't want necessarily to depend on the Lord like we need to in deep humility and simple faith. 
I want to say that again. Deep humility and simple faith is how we depend upon the Lord. The pride will begin to take credit for what the grace of God, the goodness of God, and and the power and strength of God in our life has accomplished. Listen, because you say, this is what made him so sick, I am rich and become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? What a difference in the way the self-sufficient see themselves and the way that God sees them. Listen to his counsel in verse 13. I counsel you by of me, gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, and the shame of your nakedness may not appear. Listen, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's appropriate to tell the man who is lost that God will knock on the door of his heart and call him by name, and he needs to open the door to Christ, repent of his sin, and receive the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. But friend of mine, this is the church of Laodicea, and some of the hardest doors to get people to open are the doors of the self-righteous and self-sufficient. The people who have really come to God, really been saved, but they have fallen into the deceptive sin of self-sufficiency. We dare not fall into this sin because God resists the proud. You can see this. Jesus said, I'll, I, I'll spew you out of my mouth without repentance. If this doesn't change, I can't bless you. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't have my hand extended to you in approval and blessing and help because you feel like you have everything under control and you have said with your own mouth i don't need anything i've got everything i need because of my wealth can buy what i need oh friend of mine wealth is deceptive when it makes us proud and you know you know the bible said of this pride and self-sufficiency how how can a rich man jesus taught we're talking about someone trusting in his riches Listen to it carefully. How how can a rich man enter into the kingdom of heaven? And then he used something so absolutely impossible. He said it would be easier for the for a camel to go through an eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Does that mean anyone that's rich can't be saved? No. 
does it mean that anyone who is rich and saved can't be humble and dependent? Absolutely not. But the self-sufficient cannot enter the kingdom. Scriptures teach, except you become as a little child, you will in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't see it, and you can't enter it. Now, I understand in the walls of the city of Jerusalem, uh, when the big gates were shut and the commerce was over for the day and the shops closed down, there was a, a little place for a wayward traveler to come into the safety of the city. And it was so small, it was called the Eye of the Needle. It was to keep great armies from sneaking in and sneaking through. You had to bend down and you had to leave your 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 caravan outside the gate. If the caravan did come through, they'd have to get on their knees to go through that little open space called the eye of the needle. That I do not believe is what Jesus was referring to. I believe he was saying very Clearly, it is impossible for the proud and self-sufficient to enter the kingdom of God. We have to become humble and dependent as a little child to enter this kingdom. Pride is not accepted under any circumstances in his kingdom. Pride is the sin that made an angel a devil when he said, I will be like the Most High. I will sit on the on the sides of the north. I will sit where God sits. Oh, what a terrible thing and a terrible sin. The Bible said because of his beauty, he was lifted up. He put himself on the same level as the Creator. Friend of mine, pride is a very dangerous and damnable sin. And in our flesh exists the propensity toward the proclivity, if you please, toward pride. And that's why we have to crucify our flesh. We have to deny that part of ourself in order to take up our cross and follow Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, God has a ways and means committee, <laughs> himself and the Holy Spirit in Christ, amen, to to cause us to recognize when we are falling into pride. That's why he allowed the buffeting spirit to buffet Paul. And Paul said, you know why? Because lest I be lifted up above measure. In other words, he was losing what he needed to support him most, and that was grace. Grace is not for the self-sufficient. Mercy is not for the self-reliant. Oh, friend of mine, today grace and mercy is for people that know their weakness and know without Jesus, we, we apart from him, John 15 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. There's no divine enablement. There's no supernatural su sustaining power. There's no grace. There's no mercy apart from him. Hallelujah. Amen. And Paul learned that lesson and saw that danger. That's why Jesus told this self-sufficient, self-reliant, materially rich church, anoint your eyes with eyes have, so that you 
can see, see what? See their own sinful condition, their own need for repentance of self-reliance and pride and their own need to begin to humble themselves regardless of how rich they had become and recognize without Him we are nothing. O friend of mine, we cannot afford for the devil to get us into a posture of pride and self-reliance. Why? Because we need God's help. We need God's help all the time. Oh, friend of mine, we need that great insight into our own need. Anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. That means see our own sinful condition and do what he said when we see it. Repent. (laughs) Turn around. Come back to that place that we were when we first came to Jesus. You know, blessings can become curses if we fall into pride and forget to trust, humbly trust in and thank God and give Him the credit for every single victory in our life. Praise God. It's easy for me to do that. I know without Him, I am an utter failure. I would be filled with fear and trepidation. I would have no confidence. I certainly don't confident the government to take care of me. I don't confident. I love the police, but, you know, they can't be everywhere. I can't put my... I love good doctors that dedicate their life to healing and helping people. But I would never want to go under the knife Uh, without God because they are limited and things can go wrong at any given time. But when God is in control because we trust in Him with all of our heart and we listen, lean not to our own understanding. We commit our way into Him, trust also in Him and He will bring it to pass. He will do the work that we could never do ourselves, and we can rest in full assurance and confidence that when we have a need in our life and we come boldly before the throne of grace, that we can obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Listen very carefully. Remember the pastor in earlier uh, teaching of on this subject, uh, David Wilkerson told him he was so discouraged and disgusted with himself. He didn't feel like he could serve God anymore, and he didn't feel like he could could just go on with his relationship with the Lord. How could God love him, and how could God help him when he had blown it so bad? And David told him this, and this is the rest of that story, if you've been studying with us in sequence. He said, I want you to go and read Psalm 107, where we're studying right now, and I want you to meditate on it. And he did all night long. And Dave said, and then come see me (laughs) the next morning. When they got together the next day, the pastor said, I get your point, David. This is a God 
who takes broken people and restores them. I want Him to restore me. Friend of mine, if you are broken, if you are at your wit's end, remember this. Our God takes broken people. He redeems them, then uses them mightily in His work. (laughs) So if you're one of these restless and frantic people looking for that place of refuge, that city of habitation, if you are in bondage today, if you're discouraged and feeling that God could never use you, if you have been hit hard by an unexpected tragedy or failure, Psalm 107 is custom-made just for you. God's promise here is that He will never leave you nor forsake you, that He will always answer you when you repent of what needs repenting of and trust in a humble dependency. Praise God. He will give you His undivided attention and His unqualified acceptance. And He will answer you. <laughs> I, like, I like to say this because it's so powerful. With unequal power. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. And that strength comes when His grace flows to us and His power flows right behind it. Praise God. I know today someone is hearing this broadcast that is in some kind of trouble because trouble comes to every person living on this planet in these faulty bodies and in this fallen world. But I've got good news for you today. God is waiting. You know, He said, be zealous and repent. Uh, Don't be tentative. Uh, Don't let condemnation make you hang your head and tuck your tail between your legs and and go hide in a hole somewhere from God and, and from life. Oh, friend, there's a loving God and the conviction that comes on us that the devil tries to use as the accuser to discourage us. That same conviction can bring us to God and allow Him to do His great work of forgiveness and restoration and healing and help and deliverance to everyone who calls upon Him. He said a broken and contrite spirit He will in no wise, He will never turn away. So don't run from Him today. Run to Him. As many as He loves, as many as He loves, He rebukes and chastens. Be zealous and repent and let Him wrap those arms around you. And remember the power of the hands that hold you. And remember They are nail-scarred because the God with such power loves you enough to reach way down and lift you out of whatever you are facing. And when He does, you'll give Him all the praise, all the glory for His goodness. Oh, that men would praise God, Psalm 107 says, for His goodness to the sons of men. Oh, friend of mine, we love you today. Come back next week and let's talk.
about Jesus.